Welcome to the ARPA Animal Shelter of the Week podcast, where we introduce you to incredible organizations around the country that are focused on helping animals. We're proud to be sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal shelter. The Marshmallow Foundation is a nonprofit animal shelter located in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. The organization was created in honor of Coco the Labrador mom and her 11 marshmallow pups who had been abandoned and locked in a house for three weeks. The Marshmallow Foundation was created to serve as a public resource for stray, abandoned, and rescued companion animals. One of the main goals of the Marshmallow Foundation is to help educate the public about the benefits of spaying and neutering. Hey, Cassie, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, we are super excited to have you and uh, learn a little bit more about about the Marshmallow Foundation. Why don't you get us started with where you guys are located uh, and what your purpose is, what you guys are, what your mission is all about? Okay, so we are the Marshmallow Foundation located in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Um, Our biggest mission is reuniting the lost and advocating for the unwanted. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what that means? So we act as a city impound for Detroit Lakes as well as six surrounding cities. So um, police departments as well as city officials will bring us animals. Um, Oftentimes those animals have homes, so we try our best to reunite them with their families because that's what we want at the end of the day. Um, And oftentimes, you know, those animals also end up being unwanted. So we make sure that they know that they are wanted within our organization. Not only do you work with strays, but you reunite the pets with their with their owners. Can what does that what does that process look like for you? It, you know, I heard you say that that it's Detroit Lakes and six other cities, so that can't be easy to find the pet owners. What do you guys do for that? It is not always very easy. Um, we have. Obviously, we use social media. Um, The animals are also listed on our website, and we also send out an email to the city of Detroit Lakes, so it's also posted on theirs. Um, I would say that Detroit Lakes is the biggest city that we work with. Um, We don't oftentimes get animals from the other cities. Um, You know, uh, we get an animal in, we make sure we take documentation, different notes, you know, what the collar looks like, whether they're fixed, we check them for a microchip. And, you know, if we're lucky enough to get a microchip, we make sure we run it and see if we can reunite that way. Um, You know, and then once the owner calls, you know, we have to have them identify, make sure it's their dog. The dog does have to be current on a rabies vaccination in order to leave the building, and that is a requirement through the city of Detroit Lakes. Um, and then if they reside within the city of Detroit Lakes, they also need a city license and to pay boarding fees and, you know, the usual stuff that comes along with claiming your dog, similar to getting your car out of an impound. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, I know you said social media and I know with social media that, um, that you must rely a lot on volunteers and and community to, to help you, um, spread the word to get those pets back home. Are you pretty successful in that? I would definitely say that we are, yes. Um, We get them posted on our Facebook, you know, all of the volunteers share it, we share it, and you know, just word of mouth from our volunteers knowing that these animals are here. I've had people who, you know, worked for me 
couple years ago contact me hey my friend's missing this dog and you know sometimes we'll find it before it ends up in the shelter but you know we try to put them together as soon as possible um but it's just amazing that how wide social media really stretches yeah i i definitely i definitely agree with that and i love that that you guys are involving the community um in that process uh, i think that's really great um now as far as uh, the community goes. I, I do want to talk about a couple programs that you guys have. Um, it looks like you do some work with the Girl Scouts uh, and also some youth programs. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about what those look like uh, and what you enjoy most out of those? Definitely. Um, so our Girl Scout program is pretty awesome. We have a group of Girl Scouts. There's probably about 10 of them, um, you know, ages 10 to 12 or so, and they will come in and they will spend one of their meetings in the shelter visiting the dogs, the cats. Um, they especially love the cat room because it's so quiet and you can let all the cats out and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, we assign them little projects. So I think right now they're working on making cat houses out of cardboard boxes. So, you know, we kind of directed them towards decorating them like spaceships or like an actual house with windows, you know, just kind of cutesy and artsy for them because every little girl loves art and painting and coloring and, you know, it benefits the animals too because, you know, it is a requirement that each cat has a hide box for their health and benefits and every cat likes to hide, so. Yeah, that is definitely true. I love that program. And how did you how did you get connected with them? How did that program come to be? Um, they actually reached out to us. I, you know, they really want their girls to understand, you know, what we do and the importance of what we do, and making sure that the girls grow up with that mentality. You know, the the younger you start, the older you know, they keep going and they stick with it and. They just want them to be more involved with the community in that sense. And they all voted on doing something with animals. I love that. Uh, animals have a, have a soft spot in our, in our hearts, right? Um, yes. So I love that they start them out um, really young like that. And you and I briefly chatted a little bit about your youth programs and, and how you go out to the local schools. Uh, I'm interested in that program a little bit. Can you tell me more? Sure. Um, so oftentimes... You know, whether it's high school students or the middle school did something last year, they'll often go out and interview different nonprofits within the community or you go to them and interview in front of them or tell them just, you know, different stories, different things that you've done throughout the year. And, you know, it's just educating our youth on what we do and why we're here and to be sure that they're aware that we are here to help and you're, we need you as much as you need us, you know. And starting that young is absolutely awesome. Yeah, very cool. And I know you have one other program. Um, it's called, is it called A Place to Belong? Yep. Um, they actually just came in a couple weeks ago and one of their people did end up adopting a dog. So that was pretty Aww. awesome. Um, so it's basically just a group of people who maybe don't quite fit in in some public situations and they like to go out and you know get tours of different places within the community just so they they know that they're still involved in the community too i love that so i love different aspects uh about all three programs um if you had the chance to tell other organizations out there how they could start programs 
like this, right? If there's an organization out there who really wants to get involved a little bit more in their community uh, and they love any one of these programs, where would they start in getting something like this going? Um, I believe that you can start within your city, asking your city officials, you know, like, is there any programs or even just going out to the schools, you know, go to the high school, go to the middle school, say, is there any groups that need volunteer hours that are willing to come in and, you know, learn about us and also help us by volunteering? Because oftentimes I know a lot of groups um, within the schools, different clubs, you have to have X amount of volunteer hours to do things. Yeah, definitely, definitely true and, and, and great information for them, right? You have to start somewhere and, and to reach out to people that you know, um, making those connections in the, in the community, I think are, are key. And it sounds like with these three programs, you've done just that. Um, so I definitely love that, uh, Cassie, with what you guys are doing. Churches are also another awesome place to start. There's very willing people there. Um, they're super awesome as well. Um, do you guys have a program with your local churches or is that, where do you pull that from? Um, we don't at this time. Um, one of our churches hosted a, I'm not even sure what we called it at the time, but it was kind of get out and get to know the community thing. So we went and talked there. Um, and then one of our churches here in town also asks their people where they'd like to make a donation to. And we were chosen for that a couple of times. Um, and then they also did a blessing of the animals where we brought an animal there and it was blessed and then they made a donation to us and it was really, really cool. Yeah, that definitely sounds uh, pretty unique. Actually, I've never heard of that before. So um, I love that, you know, you guys bring that out in, in your community. Um, and before we move on, Cassie, I'm curious about what your community looks like. Are you in a city? Is it more rural? Can you tell us a little bit about Kind of what that area looks like for you. What does Detroit Lakes look like? Um, so Detroit Lakes is the biggest city, uh, and I believe there's around population of 5,000 people. Um, so we are very rural. We're mostly farmland, pretty small town. So everybody knows everybody. Basically. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And sometimes that's a good thing, right? It is, yeah. You know, I, I had a dog come in two days ago, and I knew who the owner was, you know. Like I just going off of a guess because I knew where it lived. So, yeah. So there has to be, you know, benefits to that, right? I mean, people don't often see small towns, you know, in the in the same light, right? They're very different, and and so the challenges that you have are very different than some other organizations that are out there. And so one of the things I I really wanted to talk to you about and, and learn a little bit more is. What challenges do you guys have since you're in a rural location? Tell me about some of the challenges that you guys have within the community. So um, we do have a pretty large stray cat problem um, between, you know, inside the city limits, outside of city limits, because oftentimes, you know, we live in such a farming community that they'll take on a cat for a mouser and then never fix it. And two years down the line, they now have 40 cats and then they're going to reach out to us for help. So we struggle a lot with that and being able to um, accommodate when it gets to be such a large number like that. And, you know, we also struggle with people thinking, you know, animals have lived outside our whole lives. You know, these dogs can live outside. These cats can live outside and we are not going to give them shelter. Or, you know, a lot of times we struggle with dogs that are found 
um, outside of city limits in the county and people, you know, well, I always let my dog off because there is no leash law. So mm. these dogs get picked up and then these people are upset with us because we took their dog aid, even though that this dog does this all the time. It takes a jaunt down the road and a concerned citizen happened to pick it up that day. So we yeah. do struggle a lot there. Um, you know, we just want the safety of the animals at the end of the day. Yeah, of course. So let's let's talk a little bit about this stray cat problem. Um, are you doing anything to help with that? You know, I know some uh, organizations have TNR programs or they have barn cat programs. Um, have you guys looked into anything like that? And do you get any support uh, to start programs like that? Um, I know that there is a feral cat program. Um, I believe it's a little bit more north of us. So I know that we often tell people to reach out to them just because that they have they have more resources, they have more ability to go out and be checking traps and things like that. The city of Detroit Lakes does set out traps. Semi-feral cats is what we like to call them because we don't believe that all cats are feral. Um, so sometimes sure. with those cats that aren't super friendly, we will still, you know, fix them, check them for FIV, feed Luke, vaccinate, and then look for a barn home for them. During the winter, we struggle a little bit with it because we don't dare just, you know, throw them into a barn and say, good luck. <laughs> so, sure. you know, we are a little bit backed up right now. We do have, I think, about four kitties that are not super outgoing. You know, you can still handle them, but they would do better in a barn setting probably for their sake. And so you mentioned another organization that kind of takes the lead in that. Do you guys partner with organizations uh, in the surrounding area? Um, we don't partner at this time, okay. um, but we, you know, we have the same goals as the Humane Society of the Lakes, which is also in our area, um, but we don't work together, so to speak, sure. at this time. Um, but we do struggle with um, people thinking that we're the exact same thing when we're not exactly, you know, we have our own 501c3 numbers, we are separate, but... We're here for the animals, we're here to advocate spays and neuters, and we're here to help the community. Yeah, absolutely. And there can be more than one organization within the same, within the same community. Um, why do you think the struggle is there with people understanding the difference between what you guys do and what the Humane Society of the Lakes does? Is there, is there a common denominator in what you hear from the community? I'd have to say, you know, they have a little bit more of a public standing. Just, you know, they have the Humane Society name. They've maybe been recognized a little bit longer than we have. Um, I believe that we started about the same time, but they may have been even sooner than us. So I want to talk a little bit about the foster home piece of this. Foster homes is always really, really big for organizations. And I have a feeling given your community and your location, that you guys rely on foster homes pretty heavily. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how many animals you can hold in your space um, and how big of a part does the foster home program play for you? Okay, so our foster homes are, you know, we, I think we have more cats in foster homes than we do in dogs in foster homes right now. Um, it plays a huge part and we actually have foster homes all the way from Fargo to Purim, so we're kind of all over with our foster home. So we can hold um, 77 cats and 25 dogs. That doesn't count for litters of animals. So we could have a mama cat with her six kittens, and that would count as one. 
So you know our numbers can go anywhere from 77 to 100. Um, same with the dogs. Um, our foster homes, I believe we have about 20 cats in foster homes right now. I have about 10 main foster homes where, you know, if I have a cat or mainly a cat that comes in with problems, I can reach out to them and be like, hey, we really need to get this cat out of the shelter. You know, it's got snifflies, it's not eating. It'd be really good to get it somewhere where it could be monitored a little bit closer. And our volunteers do an absolute awesome job of making sure that they're healthy, that, you know, keeping a very close eye on them and getting them back on their feet. We are, we're pretty small, but we could definitely use more help with that. Um, we have Marlis at the shelter right now who we're really looking to find a foster for. Um, she's a little bit of a sassy pants, uh, so she would prefer to be the only cat in the home or to have a room to herself, so to speak, but none of our fosters. Our fosters are pretty full with our cats and kittens right now, so we okay. don't have anywhere for her at the moment, but we are trying. So... It seems like most of your fosters work with cats. Uh, is that is that true? Yep. Um, okay. I I definitely say you know especially you know our numbers between cats and dogs because there's such a variable that that probably is a lot of it. Um, I definitely say that a lot of our volunteers are much more cat people, which is awesome okay. because the world needs cat people. <laughs> um, we do have a couple dog foster homes. But because most of our dog fosters have other dogs, it's hard for them. And, you know, a lot of our fosters have multiple animals, so their homes are pretty full already. In the case of, you know, we absolutely need this dog to find a foster, you know, they're often very good about stepping up. It seems like an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. Are you guys looking for more foster home volunteers? Absolutely. Um, we would love to have more volunteers and fosters okay. to get you know keep our program going keep it you know get a new fresh set of eyes and ears and ideas and we're always looking to add more people yeah and if they're interested can they find more information on your website or do they reach out to you what's the best way cassie if they're hearing this uh, and they can definitely help how do they how do they start um, definitely start by going on to our website at www.marshmallowfoundation.org and you know I believe that there's a tab that says fosters and you just go on there and you know you can read about it if you have any further questions you know you're always free to reach out to us give us a call our numbers on the website um, we're always open to asking questions you know fosterings free we'll provide food litter whatever they may need while they're with you and before we stray too far from this you know we we talked about the foster home and do you have uh, volunteers who come in and help you clean cages and maybe do some of the office work. And tell us, do you have spots filled? Are you looking for more help? We are always looking for more help. Um, I know we struggle a little bit more in the winter, especially with our dog volunteers. But in the summertime, dog volunteering is like one of my favorite things to do. And sometimes on my days off, I'd rather go there and do that. I don't all the time, I take my days off, but um, our dogs, <laughs> We have three beautiful parks, we have a trail, and we're always looking to add more people to be able to do that. Our cats, we scoop them six out of seven days of the week. On the seventh day, we do a completely full clean out, and that takes about 12 hours. And our normal scoopings take about seven hours, so it would be absolutely awesome to get more people in there 
And the socialization for the animals is absolutely amazing too. You can tell when we've had volunteers coming in consistently and the cats just seem to, you know, they come out of their shell more and more, the more people that are in there interacting with them. And same with the dogs, you know, and we learn more about the dogs because oftentimes, well, dogs and cats, because oftentimes us as shelter workers are so busy feeding, letting out, you know, we don't get to stop and sit, lay, you know, teach them things because we're so busy trying to clean and make sure that they're cared for with their basic needs. Um, but, you know, taking a dog out to the park, you can learn if it fetches, you can learn how it walks on a leash, you you know, how it interacts with you, you know, especially if we, we have different volunteers that are males, females, kids, adults. It's just absolutely awesome to learn more about those animals. It's so fun to see um, a kid come in and that dog or cat just absolutely cling to them like they just they love kids and then you know you know to look for kids in their home you know they're going to be happiest if they have a kid to hang out with or you know it could go the total opposite way where they don't want anything to do with kids so you look for a home that doesn't have kids so it just helps us learn more about the animals um, and I think it's great for the people too it's very therapeutic you know our dog parks are super peaceful and just beautiful and I get so much fulfillment about going out there. It's just awesome. When it comes to taking the dogs out, what's involved in that process? Do they do they check with you in the morning and then essentially check the dog out for the day and then take them to the park and right take them to the local Starbucks, right? Whatever that is. And then do they return them at the end of the day or do you have weekend field trips for them? Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, our volunteers come in and we kind of look at what they're looking for and what they're capable of doing, but we definitely encourage day trips as we call them. So they'll take the dog for the day and go to the lake or go to Caribou and get a pup cup or, you know, whatever they may be doing. Um, we have a board that lists animals that can go out and ones that can't and, you know, certain animals, you know, you can't let him off leash because he jumps the fence or you have to walk him with a specific leash so they don't slide out. Or, you know, you can't have this dog with that dog. And we try to keep the communication on the board there. Um, we definitely encourage, you know, weekend trips too because that's another opportunity for us to learn what they're like in a home because they're completely different animals in a home. You know, the second you leave there, they're, you can see it in their face. You know, you can't get a picture of what they really are at the shelter. Yeah, it's definitely true. Their personality completely changes once you get them outside of, of that shelter environment. Yeah, that's that's huge. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. And, and if anybody's interested, we definitely encourage them to get in touch with you guys and, and take one out for the day. Uh, it does, you know, like you said, it does everybody a lot of good, right? It's very therapeutic. It's Absolutely. great for the animals. You can help them locate their forever home. I think it's a, that's a great program, both day and weekend trips. So that's that's fantastic. Absolutely. And our parks are right in the backyard you know we have an awesome trail that you can disappear on for an hour that has a little pond so you can maybe even see if the dog likes swimming you know it's pretty awesome so while we're, ta while we're talking about good happy fun stories i definitely want to ask um if you have a story that you want to share i do i um <laughs> this one might make me tear up a little bit because it was such a good happy ending when it could have been much worse um so 2017, beginning of the summertime, there was a few really bad storms and we had this elderly couple contacting us about this little dog that was hanging out in their yard that they weren't able to approach. 
Um, one of our staff members contacted the city of Detroit Lakes, and even though that this couple was outside of the limits, they still let them borrow their large dog live trap. Um, so we went out there and we set it, and within a day, the dog was caught. Um, so they <laughs> they actually put the dog kennel with the dog in it on a trailer and drove it to the shelter because this kennel was so large and. There's this little fluffy Shih Tzu mix, little gray and white dog in there. <laughs> and I'm expecting this, like, you know, mess of a dog, expecting mats. And you could tell that this dog was really cared for. Um, so we get it into our turnout. We close everything up before we open the dog kennel just to be sure that, you know, it's safe. We're not going to have any dogs darting between legs and running away again. Um, and... As soon as they opened that door, I was standing in front of it, and the dog flew onto my lap and just hugged me, and she just kept hugging me. And I ended up taking her home for foster. Um, we did, you know, try reaching out for family. We posted. Um, we actually, I had her on the news for something to, you know, make the public aware of one of our events. I brought her with me for that, you know, so we had... Definitely outreach to see if we could find an owner. Um, we did find a spay line scar on her, so at one point she was spayed. Um, she was definitely, you know, trimmed and well cut, and it was really sad that we couldn't find an owner, but, you know, we go on to the next thing. So I took Birdie home, and it was just, I, I named her Birdie. I don't know why, but <laughs> her name was Birdie. So, um, you know, it was just instant connection, and she she wasn't a fan of anybody but me. And so we bonded for those couple weeks, and we had a potential adopter come and meet with her. Um, and this family, there was two kids and a mom and a dad, and one of the children, the little girl, was very shy. So the mom was hoping that Birdie would kind of help her come out of her shell. And, you know, they're asking me these questions. Does Birdie fetch, and does she do this, and does she do that? No, she kind of just wants to cuddle, you know, that's kind of all I've seen out of her. But, you know, it's only been a couple weeks, so she's still trying to come out of her shell right now. Um, so they went home, thought about it, came back and adopted her. Um, and within a couple hours, I was getting a phone call that Birdie had escaped their house. Oh, no. They, they, and they live in the middle of Moorhead, so this town, you know, she's, I live in the country, so she's used to being in the country and, you know, she's, She's not used to being in town, um, so it was like my heart just dropped. They they hadn't even gotten to her, gotten her in the house. She, you know, one of the kids had left the gate open when they went to get her adapted to their yard. So it was just like a moment of heartbreak. Um, and I was working dogs that day, so of course I had to take care of the dogs before I could go up there to see if I could help. Um, the owners actually were on the news. We posted, we used social media, which is huge. Um, we posted on all the swap sites. And one of my friends ended up sharing it to somebody who lives in Moorhead. We have one mutual friend here. And um, this mom, who, and this is probably my favorite part of the story, but she actually adopts children. So it's great how all this kind of intertwines, you know, dog adoption, ch children adoption, and um her and her children were driving and they happened to see Birdie. So, you know, she's calling, you know, at least Birdie's been sighted at this point. And I, I go up there and uh, 
I think I was up there till three o'clock in the morning, just aimlessly walking around. I was fortunate enough that my boyfriend came with me. So we're walking around Moorhead at three o'clock in the morning and okay, we need to call it a day, go home and refresh, see what happens. And um, the same person who had spotted her the day before had seen her again. So I finished my dog stuff and went back up there and I met with another rescue person up there. And we, we walked the entire area that she had seen her and nothing. And so the rescue person had to leave and I, I called the spotter and I was like, you know, can you go out one more time? Just see if you can see her. And she did. So I met her down where she had seen Birdie and you could see Birdie, you know, from a far distance. And they tell you, you know, don't chase the dog, don't scream, don't yell, don't, you know, sound panic, just get excited and stay where you are, but don't run after them. So that was really hard for me. Um, you know, and the rescue person had just kind of talked me through all this, thankfully, so I was kind of fresh on knowing what to do. Um, so I started yelling for Birdie, Birdie Sue, you know, just getting her excited, calling her nickname, clapping, and she stopped and looked. And she hesitantly started moving forward, and then she stopped, and I just, you know, yelling and being excited. And she just, it was kind of back and forth, back and forth, and finally she got close enough, but she went quite approach me. And so I got down and I laid on my back and she just flew on top of me and it was just the most glorious moment and I am so sad that I didn't get on video because it would have been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I I they have a animals have a strange way of impacting us, don't they? They do and the the craziest thing is I, I took her home that night because it was late and I didn't want to quite bring her back to the home yet because we had had such a, a connection, you know, and so I slept with her that night and the next morning was really rough and I, I didn't really know what to do, you know, do I, do I bring her back to this family or do I keep her because, you know, she came to me and it was just like a moment of connection for the two of us and she ended up she picked up a toy and I happened to throw it and she started fetching. So I just, kind of, I, I knew because that's what that family had wanted. You know, they specifically asked if she fetched and she did that next morning. So I just knew that she was meant to go back to them and I brought her back and she's lived with them ever since. And it's been absolutely wonderful. I love that story. I, I can understand how you get emotional about that, right? <laughs> Having the connection uh, from the moment you saw her and then her coming to you after she got out. Um, but I love that she gave you a sign, right? Of, she, yeah. Of kind of where she belongs. The best part. You know, it made it so much easier. I was so comforted, you know, bringing, and I brought her back and I talked the family through ways to avoid that, you know, as you're going through doors, making sure, you know, maybe you need to leave her in a room and shut the door so she's not going to sneak out. You know, they were young kids. It happens, accidents happen, and, you know, it was just really bad timing because she hadn't established that connection with them yet either. Yeah, absolutely. So do you still stay in touch with them and get updates on Birdie? I have not. Um, okay. I, I've been meaning to, but I haven't. <laughs> Everything gets so crazy. Yeah, well, maybe once they hear this, they'll reach out and, and you can get some updates on them. It sounds like a, a beautiful a beautiful relationship, right? And not always in those relationships are we meant to stay in that in that spot, right? right? Sometimes they're meant to just come into our lives as, you know, and, and leave just as quickly. It definitely sounds like she made an impact on you. She did. It was a very good learning moment, and it's, 
that's an awesome story to tell people too. You know, we care about them even after adoption. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to go up there and look for her. I didn't have to, you know, do any of that. But I yeah. did because our animals matter to us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great story, Cassie. Thank you for sharing. So the Marshmallow Foundation is a pretty unique name. Uh, is there a story behind that? There actually is, and that is actually one of the biggest questions we end up getting. Um, so back in 2006, the people who were originally running Marshmallow were contacted about a chocolate lab who was left abandoned in a house for three weeks. Um, so they took her in and named her Marshmallow, and she was brought to a foster home and ended up whelping 11 little marshmallows. So she was kind of the start to everything and she kind of led to us becoming um, the city impound and she was just the beginning of many success stories. I love that. So when you're actually having a, a hard day, right, you have to go back and that probably just puts a, a smile on your face, just the name itself and then the story behind it. It absolutely does. And she's pictured on our calendar that we do yearly. So we get daily reminders of that too. I love that. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing the, the history and, uh, and the story behind that. So I know as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, um, I, I want to talk about what's next for you guys. Um, I believe you have an event coming up in April that I want to talk about. And also if there's any upcoming programs um, that you guys are looking forward to in 2019. So we have our annual hairball coming up April 14th, I believe it is. We just set the date for that. This has been going on, I want to say this will be the seventh year. And we have, who used to be our police chief, because, you know, we do work with police departments. And he is a very talented individual, and he has his own band, and he comes out and sings, and he's since re retired, so he's called, um, they call their group off-duty. Um, and he is absolutely fun and upbeat and awesome, and I think he makes the whole show. But we do raffles and silent auctions, and um, we have 50-50 raffles, and then we have a cash drawing at the end of the whole thing. So it is a huge, fun event for us. Um, the Holiday Inn is where we have it now. We used to have it at Zorba's, but because our Zorba's here in town doesn't allow us to play bands. We couldn't do it without Tim Agabrotten and his off-duty band, so we moved it to the Holiday Inn. How, how can people get more information as we start to get closer to the event? Well, they're definitely free to call us if they have questions as well. Um, we do post it on our website as well as our Facebook. We usually start an event, you know, once we get a little bit closer. I love it. So an event in April for everybody to look forward to. Uh, anything else coming up in 2019 for you? Um, so we recently spoke with one of the founders of Minko de Paz, and she is hoping to start a spay and neuter program within our community. Um, so we have talked to her and, you know, just kind of discussed how important that would be to us and how beneficial it would be to our community, especially with our stray cat problem. Having that available to the public would be absolutely amazing for us. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a, like a great uh, upcoming program. Um, and so people should stay tuned for that. And, uh, hopefully we, we see that kicked off here and, and something that will help with the, the stray cat problem. So Cassie, as we wrap things up, is there anything else that we missed that maybe you want to share? I would just like to discuss kind of our building outlay because it does get a little bit confusing because we do have a few things going on within our building. Um, Marshmallow actually rents out half 
of a building from Lucky Dog Boarding and Training. Um, so they do boarding and training. And then there is also another program within the building, which is the Patriot Assistance Dogs, which um, provides service dogs for veterans at no cost to the veteran other than coming up and, you know, training with the dog and, you know, all that awesome stuff. So oftentimes, as dogs come into the shelter, we look for signs if they would be suitable for the service dog program, you know, if they're able to help with PTSD and things like that. Um, and then we've also worked with some police dog places. Um, so our dogs have gone on to be drug sniffing, bomb detecting. Yeah, very, very cool programs. And I love that you guys are open to working with people um, you know, around you, whether it's in the same building or in the community, I think that's really important to keep all those doors wide open. Um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we all do have the same, the same outcome, right? We want all the animals to be saved and, and to find healthy, loving, uh, forever homes. So I think it's great that you guys are open-minded to that. Yes, we love great. it. <laughs> all right, Cassie. Well, I have definitely enjoyed my time with you and, uh, I definitely am, am happy we got connected and you, you joined us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. And don't forget to sign up with dubert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.